It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast, where our football insider subscribers uh, had questions for us. We, of course, are going to answer as many as we can here over the next half hour or so. Um, all right. The Browns, of course, losers to Cincinnati on Sunday and uh, essentially out of the playoff race, not officially, but uh, certainly just hanging on by a thread, Mary Kay. And let's just start here. Uh, we'll go Frank in Stowe, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, why do the why does the Browns organization keep getting a pass when they have repeatedly failed to get the best out of a talented roster in terms of game planning, play calling, and accountability? Many other franchises win more with less. So why not the Browns? That's a really good question. It is a good question. And I think uh, a lot of us are starting to wonder what is going on with this football team. It seems like there are games that they should win. There are plenty of games that they should have won this season that they did not win. But I think everyone right now is in wait and see mode. No one wants to make any sweeping generalizations or big decisions when Deshaun Watson has only been back for two football games, right? The rest of the season, for the most part, is about getting Deshaun Watson ready to go up to speed so he can hit the ground running next season, get some uh, comfortability with his receivers, uh, get some chemistry and timing down with his offensive line, and um, and see if they can't kind of be ready to roll for next year. So I don't think anybody really wants to you know, just do anything drastic this year when everyone knows that this is all about Deshaun Watson. So I, I think they're getting a little bit of a pass from that standpoint. This seems in a really tough spot right now, because I think that's sort of the easy answer, right? Is spend the next four games getting everybody up to speed, trying to get everybody right, trying to build momentum for Deshaun Watson. But then there's also kind of this fear of like, what if something's not right? And you just kind of, you know, whether it's coaching or whether it's talent or whether it's, Maybe Deshaun isn't going to be Deshaun again. You know, like what if something ends up not being right and you go into next year and it's like, uh oh, we we misread this. It's I don't know how you figure that out, but it, it's kind of it puts the organization in a tough spot of their own doing. And it puts kind of us in a tough spot of trying to judge all this. It puts a fan base in a tough spot. This is just a really difficult situation to be in, I think, all around. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think yesterday, I think some of the things that Deshaun showed in that game uh, gave the Browns 
and their players and maybe their fans to a certain extent uh, some hope that the future is probably going to be bright with Deshaun at quarterback, that he's going to be able to make all of the throws, uh, that he's got all the arm talent you could possibly want, and that he can make plays with his legs, extend plays, and do all those kinds of things, and that the Browns will have a quarterback uh, that can match up with a guy like Joe Burrow and make some of these sensational throws. But think about the fact that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the touchdown pass they connected on in the end zone, which was incredible. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson has now only thrown to his receivers for two games, right? And when you think about that fourth and six to um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, they talked after the game about how, you know, Donovan is a jumper and he likes a little bit higher. Those are the nuances that happen between a quarterback and a receiver on the timing routes where you have to be very precise and you've got to be on point. The receiver has to be exactly where he needs to be. The ball has to be placed where it needs to be placed. But then you have to add in some of those other nuances, like I like to jump in that situation on a fade, or you know I like it on this side of my body, or however it goes. So I think that um, I think there is plenty of reason to believe that the future is bright, and a quarterback like that. Um, elevates the play of everybody around him and makes the defense better. I mean, when you're scoring points, you know, of course you're, you know, you're going to be playing from ahead and, and it takes a lot of pressure off of the defense. The defense doesn't have to hold the opponent to nine points so you can win a football game, you know? So I think there are plenty of reasons to believe that things are going to be much better next year, but I think they're going to have to take an unflinching look at some of the reasons why they might not be better in certain situations and certain aspects of the team. And they're going to have to try to do everything that they possibly can to upgrade the talent in those areas. Yeah, I I think that's, you know, obviously that's the positive you take away from yesterday is you started to see glimpses of Deshaun Watson. You know, that wasn't like that, what, how he played yesterday wasn't good enough, but it was such a big step forward from week one that you kind of hope now, you know, you're going against Baltimore on Saturday and then you've got some games where he should be able to continue to start developing. You just hope you get to the end of this season and he's like 85% of, of what you expected him to be or somewhere. It would be great if he was like just that guy by the time you got to week 18. But, you know, even if he's like 80 to 85% of that, then I I think you start to to feel good about what this can be. But I, you know, I also think you're right. You have to spend this off season and these next four games too, really evaluating everything hard because this, like, this is it, you know, you, I, I don't think they should get a pass on this year, but I think they're also going to get a pass on this year. And now you gotta, you gotta put this thing together. Like the, the clock is, the clock is ticking. Yeah, and I, you know, I think they're going to to evaluate everything in the offseason. I think they're going to take a good hard look at special teams. I think um I think special teams will be under a lot of scrutiny. I think the defense is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. I think there is a feeling in this organization and it's not a spoken thing at this point, uh but there is a vibe that something is wrong with the defense and that it's underachieving and that they're not getting the most out of their talent for whatever reason. And, you know, that means that they probably will take a long, hard look at Joe Woods. So 
I don't know if these next four games can change anything necessarily in terms of whether or not he'll be here. But I think that that's something that they're going to take a really hard look at in the offseason. Same thing with special teams. I mean, they, they've got to get better in those two areas. And I've said this all season long, and I know you agree with me. You've said it too. And that is if those two units had just upheld their end of the bargain, uh, they, they could be aiming for the playoffs right now. They could have a couple of more victories. They could have three more victories perhaps right now if those units had played up to their potential. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've they've lost some games this year because of defense and special teams, and that's that shouldn't happen <laughs> with with the talent you have, especially on that defensive side of the ball. That that shouldn't happen. Now, the other equation uh, here, and of course, Kevin Stefanski came up in a number of questions. This comes from Howard in Los Angeles. Uh, he is worried that maybe Kevin Stefanski has lost the locker room, but says, "Hey, Mary Kay, the Browns are." So uninspired and seem so down. They're not exciting. They're not fun at all. Is it time for a change? You know, I I just don't think so. Once again, you're two games into the Deshaun Watson era, okay? Uh, They brought him in to win Super Bowls, so now is not the time to make sweeping changes like that or to decide that Kevin Stefanski is not the guy. Now, I do think when they evaluate these next four games, they're going to have to take a a good long look and and decide, is he the right person to be calling the plays? And does he have what it takes to bring out the best in Deshaun Watson? And I'm sure that Deshaun will have plenty of input in the game plans and and he'll have some say in the matter about what he likes and what he doesn't like. Um, But I just don't think now is the time to, you know, to even think about that. And when you, you know, those fourth and ones, people get so freaked out about those fourth and ones. I don't get as freaked out about going for it on fourth and one as other people do. I mean, I do think there's something to be to be said for being aggressive and trying to score seven points. And if Jacoby Brissett hadn't been a little overzealous on that play, maybe he was too hyped up, um, but he just gunned it. I mean, he just overthrew that pass. If he completes that pass, and I understand what they were trying to do. You think Jacoby's coming in to sneak it there because that's what Jacoby does. And their cornerbacks, you know, heading into that game, I don't know that the Browns really respected their cornerbacks all that much. So I think that they thought they could win their one-on-one matchups, especially with someone like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who wins his matchups even against good cornerbacks. So I think they felt pretty comfortable with that play, um, but the throw was off. I mean, the, the throw was just off. So had they completed that and gone up 7 nothing and taken the momentum at that point, I don't think very many people would have had a problem with that call. Do you? Well, I, I mean, I, I hated the call. So, I mean, you're right. When plays work, people love them. And when plays don't work, they hate them. But I think, mm-hmm. it, was a ba- I think it was just a bad concept. I think it was a bad idea. Because, like, you're bringing Jacoby Brissett in cold and asking him to make a throw on a fourth, I, I just, I, it didn't, the process leading to it just didn't make sense. And like, if I'm the Bengals, you know who I don't want to have the football on fourth and one or fourth and two with a chance to make a bunch of different decisions is Sean Watson. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's like, why am I taking that guy off the field? Um, like I, there have, there have been certain times where, and, and this is all, this isn't just, the Browns, this goes across the league. The coaches do this stuff all the time. So there's certain times where I'll look at a situation and think, 
who do I not want to have the football in their hands right now? And that guy, for whatever reason, is not on the field. Sometimes with Nick Chubb or sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. so that that was the issue I had is the guy I, I the guy I don't want with the football, even though he's struggling, is Deshaun Watson. And they basically guaranteed he wouldn't have the football. The flip side of it, like you said, though, is if Jacoby Brissett completes that pass, then we're not talking about that play as much. But I still don't I still just don't like the concept. Well, not only that, Jacoby Brissett had hardly done that the whole time he was playing in 11 games, right? I mean, most of the time when they scored in the red zone, it was on a a running play. They were rushing for most of those touchdowns. He was not really throwing it into the end zone very much at all. Um, So it, it was a little different. But again, I think they were trying to be creative. I think they were trying to be aggressive. And I just don't have a huge problem with trying to change things up, trying to score points, trying to be aggressive against a football team uh, that is playing uh, some of the best football in the NFL right now, had won five straight, had won four straight games, eight of their, eight of their last night. No, something like that. I mean, just a, a lot of victories going on for the Bengals and Joe Burrow playing really, really well. And I think they felt like they were going to have to pull out some of the stops and sometimes they work. And sometimes they don't. I mean, Jamar Chase was going to try to attempt a pass yesterday and he got sacked. And you might say, why would you do something like that when you've got Joe Burrow throwing the ball? Like, why would you do that? And look what happened. And if they would have lost the game, people would, you know what I mean? I mean, but I'm, I'm for creativity and I'm for being aggressive. I don't have as much problem with that as some other people do. And, and I don't mind the going for it. Like in the moment, I was fine with them going for it. I, I thought that was fine. And like, honestly, you're looking at a 42-yard field goal at that point, which, I mean, I kind of hate to say this, but that's not automatic right mm-hmm. now with, with this kicker. So I, I didn't mind it, especially that early in the game. You've got plenty of time to make up those points if you mm-hmm. need to. And going up 3 nothing there isn't. Like whatever, <laughs> it's three nothing. The Bengals aren't going to sweat that. Um, so I, I didn't mind going for it. I just, I just didn't like the concept of of bringing in Jacoby. And you know, what if he would have just snuck it and gotten the first down? I, I just think there were a lot of different things you could have done there, and I, and mm-hmm. I didn't like the, I didn't like what they did. Yeah, but, I wonder. But, but, but again, I don't think that's a reason to like fire Kevin because he no. made one bad decision on a fourth and one in the first quarter of a game. No, and I wonder, he, he's never once said that he would like to have that decision back. He doesn't He doesn't necessarily want it back. And some of those decisions are analytics-driven. Like he gets, you know, a certain amount of things from the analytics group that are not out of his hands, but there's a little bit of a, a group effort with some of those situations. So uh, that could have been one where, he had plenty of input from from the analytics folks. Yeah, I, I mean, I to me the bit. Well, here, let's just get to this next question uh, from Megan in Pittsburgh, uh, who apparently did a little research on this. So she says, uh, "Hey, Mary Kay, I looked this up, and the Browns have had roughly the same number of penalties and rankings in how much they've been penalized, bottom ten or so, in each of Stefanski's season." How much of this lands on the shoulders of coaching? And what do you think Kevin is doing or not doing this year that, that's causing this to not improve? Well, 
you know, that it was a somewhat undisciplined game yesterday. I mean, you can't, I always wonder, uh, it always amazes me that um, players are so willing to jeopardize a drive with a, a bad penalty. And that was a bad penalty by Tony Fields. And that was a, that was a bad penalty. Now, sometimes on the pass interference calls, it just depends on the officiating crew. Sometimes you can get away with so much with some crews and you can't get away with anything with others. And I thought perhaps the Bengals may have gotten a few uh, home field advantage calls yesterday. It just seemed like, I don't know that, that that could have had something to do with it a little bit. Um, but I also think that, you know, Kevin prides himself on details and discipline and culture and structure and all those kind of things. So you just wouldn't expect nine penalties for 98 yards, um, in, in a game like that, that you have to go down and really try to win. I mean, if you even take away three or four of those penalties, it's a different ball game. So this, so this isn't penalty related, but I think this goes in the same category, which is why I wanted to bring this question up. I think if I think more than like that fourth down, I think the most concerning thing this season has been like the details. There's just been moments this season where the details were off. And yesterday, for example, they had some real substitution issues on defense. Like there were times mm-hmm. when they were running guys in and guys were like waving people off and like and they actually got caught at one point and had to burn a timeout, mm-hmm. which they really could have used at the end of the half when they, they ran out of time and had to just try a Hail Mary. Um, mm-hmm. So those are those are the things that I look at and, and kind of say that shouldn't that's the stuff you hate to see happening in week five, let alone week. What are we in week 14, week 13? Mm-hmm. Um, the, those are the concerning things that you look at and say, you know, this is the stuff that probably drives Kevin crazy, right? Because that's what he prides himself on is this team gets the details right. And there's been a lot of games this year where they, the details just haven't been right. Yeah. The details have to be right. Um, the, the turnover margin has to be right. You know, when you're, you know, a little challenge at a position or you're transitioning from one quarterback to the other, and you're trying to figure some things out, you have to play some clean football. You got to play some really clean football. And especially when you have, when you're playing on the road, there's a lot of noise. You're playing a team like, the Bengals who are explosive, you you can't be committing all of those penalties on, on either side of the ball. But yes, procedurally, there have been issues. And again, that's what one of the reasons why I think that, um, you know, there are going to be uh, some hard conversations that are going to take place after the season. Now, having said that, they've also had just a lack of continuity at middle linebacker. And, you know, a lot of times that's the guy in there that's calling the plays and, you know, it just keeps getting thrown off week after week after week. There's always somebody new in there. Uh, so there hasn't been any continuity in terms of personnel on defense, especially up the middle of the field. Um, so that hasn't helped matters. But again, I still think that, that you know, we might be looking at some changes in the offseason. Okay, let's let's go big picture here. Scott Mandel from Los Angeles has like, the existential question here before we take our break. Here's the most basic question I can ask, he says, that I'm sure is on everyone's mind. Hey, Mary Kay, where do the Browns go from here? Well, it is a good question. You know, 
we talked about this on the podcast last night. This next game that they're playing against the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday at First Energy Stadium against potentially their third string quarterback, they have to approach it as though they still have a shot because they do still have a shot. They are not eliminated from playoff contention yet. So now is not the time to sit Amari Cooper down unless he is really suffering with the core muscle issue uh, and replace him with, you know, Michael Woods. You know, now is not the time to, you know, sit Miles Garrett down a little bit with his shoulder injury and let Alex Wright have a bunch more playing time or Isaiah Thomas or, or whoever else. It's just not time for that yet. Where they go from here right now at this very moment is they have to go out and try to win this next football game and keep this thing going as long as they possibly can. Until someone tells them that they are eliminated from playoff contention, it's not time to start taking a look at James Hudson at tackle or whatever else or calling up some of the practice squad guys and seeing what they can do at receiver or whatever the case may be. Right now, in this moment, they are tasked with going out and beating the Ravens and trying to get to six and eight and then seeing where they can take it from there. Because the rest of the way, all the rest of those teams are unbeatable. I mean, are beatable. And they can finish with nine victories. And that's probably not going to be good enough. But as of right now, no one has told them that it's not good enough and that it can't be good enough. So they still have to try to win every game. Yeah, this feels kind of like a, uh, you know, let's see what you're made of game. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, it's not, it's not over yet, even though it sort like it, like when you really take a step back and look at it, like it is, but like you said, they're not officially eliminated. So it's not over. You're playing a division team who's fighting to, to win the division still. Um, there might be on a guy named Anthony Brown starting a quarterback or if it's not Anthony Brown, it could, it could be Tyler Huntley. Um, John Harbaugh today was very uh, non-committal as to who would start. He didn't rule out Lamar either for what it's worth, but this is a team with like no weapons on offense They're I don't know how they're winning games every week, but like, all right, let's, let's see what you're made of. You know, it's Sean's first home game. It's a Saturday afternoon. It's going to be on national TV. Are, are you going to show up and win or, are you going to lose to a team that you probably shouldn't lose to based on who they might be starting at quarterback? So I think this is still a very interesting game to kind of see what this team's got. I I think so too. I mean, they have to put good tape out there individually for themselves, uh, but they also have to go out and still try to win a game. They've still got to try to, uh, you know, develop Deshaun and see if they can't get him up to speed as quickly as possible. Um, But again, because of the tiebreakers and things like that, Right now, their chances of making the playoffs are 2%. But if you win out, your your chances increase exponentially. I mean, if they had won these couple of games, their chances, uh, if they had beat the Bengals and the Ravens, they, their chances would have gone up to like 40 or 50%. So, you know, you can't look at those percentages and think, oh, well, that's just how it is. It's that until you start winning some games and then it change, and then it jumps. So they at least have to keep it going from the standpoint of of everything. I mean, that's just how you have to operate, that you are out there to win football games, and uh, they need to, to develop the culture of winning, too. They need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to close out games. They need to 
get a lead and protect it. And so all of these things are at stake. Okay, let's take a break. We've got another question about Deshaun Watson and then some other more general questions that we'll get to uh, on the other side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. This one comes from Jacob in Berea. Hey Mary Kay, is it weird that I'm more excited about Deshaun Watson's performance on Sunday than I am disappointed in the Browns' loss to the Bengals? No, not at all, because uh, their playoff hopes are so slim right now that it is such an incredible long shot. I, I don't really think that you know most people are hanging their hats on the Browns actually making the playoffs this year. I think you know everyone kind of recognizes that the rest of this season is very much about bringing Deshaun Watson up to speed, bringing him into the fold, seeing what else he needs, getting him comfortable in this offense, getting Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson comfortable with each other, getting Alex Van Pelt comfortable with the whole thing. And Deshaun talked about that yesterday. He talked about that. He, you know, he's very vocal about the fact that, yeah, we all have to get to know each other. I have to get to know the receivers. They have to get to know me. Kevin needs to know what I like. He, I need to know what he likes to do. And it's just a getting acquainted process. Uh, But the fact that he took uh, such a a jump, I think it was a jump from the Houston game to the Bengals game. I think that's a really, really good sign. His talent started to show through. They used his legs a little bit more. I thought that was, I thought they should do that. And they did do that to let him get some confidence going. Um, So I think, you know, any fans that, you know, are kind of hoping for, a bright future with Deshaun Watson probably should and do feel that way, that this was an encouraging game. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny now that you said that I I kind of thought about it. He's kind of been the most realistic about this whole thing, (laughs) which is, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's living it. Right. And he was kind of dropped in, in, in week 13. He seems like yesterday, just hearing him talk about the timing and how he was late on the interception to Donovan and just kind of hearing him discuss that stuff. It seems like he sort of understands what's happening here and what needs to be fixed. And, you know, again, we'll see, does it happen in two weeks? Does it happen in September? I don't know. But I I do think it was significant that in that second half yesterday, we started to see a little more. You know, he ripped a couple of throws. he, He made some plays on the move. He was tough to bring down we started to see some of that playmaking because that that was kind of non-existent in Houston. So I think it was a significant like jump forward yesterday. Yeah, it really was. And think about this too, Dan, the fact that Amari Cooper really was not himself at all yesterday. Uh, he has a core muscle issue. Uh, it seems to be more so that than actually like a hip, even though it's kind of in the, the same area. Uh, very, very difficult to uh, run full speed when you have that kind of an issue going on. So he was not himself at all. Um, and and right now, 
uh, Deshaun does not have a ton of weapons to be to be throwing to. Now, David was back from uh, his knee injury, and that was good. That helped out a lot. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has been been there. But it's not like there's, you know, six guys that he can, uh, you know, just feel super comfortable with yet. He's just starting to develop his chemistry. And once he gets it down, I think, uh, you know, there are certain players with whom he is going to be dynamite. He talked about that connection with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones is really, really good. I mean, he he's good. I mean, he's he's to the point where you could see him making the, making a Pro Bowl in the near future. That's how good he's gotten. He is so good at the contested ball. He's so tough, uh, and he's so smart. He's such a smart player. I mean, you'll watch him out there, and he stays alive on the play. Like he's gonna he's gonna be ready for that ball to come on a sight adjustment or whatever the case may be. He's either gonna get open or he's gonna fight to the death for that ball. And um, and he's he's been a pleasure to watch. Uh, David Njoku, I think, is gonna be really really good with Deshaun. Uh, Amari, when he's healthy, yes. I think they're going to need to add – I would add two really good receivers in the offseason somehow, some way. I think you need to add two really good ones. You can't have too many. I mean, Joe Burrow struggled yesterday without Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I mean, those are two really excellent receivers in addition to Jamar Chase. It can't just be Jamar Chase and then these other guys. I think it's got to be – uh, when you have a quarterback, a thoroughbred like Deshaun Watson, you've got to give him really, really, really good weapons so that you know when you throw that ball, uh, that guy's going to make an amazing, amazing play for you. I think great receivers, uh, it sounds simplistic, but great receivers like that can make or break a quarterback. And I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him add, and obviously Donovan's emergence makes makes this a little less urgent, but I'd still like to see them add one more outside guy. And then mm-hmm. also I'd like to see him just go get somebody who's an absolute monster in the slot. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know they drafted David Bell, but I think, I think we've learned this year that if you kind of count too much on the fact that, well, we drafted this guy. And so we want to see him play. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can come back to bite you. Now I I'd still like David Bell, but if there's a guy out there that I could get who's just an absolute monster as a slot receiver, I would I'd love to have him next to Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones, and then I think you've got something. And just sort of let David Bell become what he becomes, and maybe he develop, maybe he competes and, and wins a job or something. But like, I, I think that's the more I think about it, I think that's something they're lacking is kind of that quick twitch, like slot guy. Yeah, and think about the fact that, I mean, they played a lot of three wides yesterday. They played a ton of three wides. And if you're going to be doing that, then you need more horses. You need more bodies. You need more really, really good guys. And I always wondered this whole entire season, like, what would happen if Amari Cooper got hurt? Now, he's super durable. He's only missed like five games in his whole career, eight-year career, uh, because of injury. Um, So you don't usually have to worry about that with him. Uh, but when you're playing that much 11 personnel, uh, you need the horses for that. You need guys to be able to do that for you. And like you mentioned, you know, when you have a devastating slot receiver, like a like a Jarvis Landry type of player, uh, it can make all the difference in the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've got weapons. They've got some weapons, but they definitely need more. And I just have a feeling that, that Deshaun Watson will probably have some input on that uh, throughout the rest of the season. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how they approach that, but you know, they should have some money to spend. I know, I know they've got a ton of carryover cap, uh, rollover cap that they'll be able to use, and you know, their their cap situation is not as as dire, I think, as, as some people think. I, this they'll figure it out. I think you wrote that in your Hey Mary Kay this week. Yeah. These guys are smart enough. They'll they'll figure it out. You can count yeah, on them to, to do that. They'll figure it out. They will not be in cap trouble. You know, we can promise you that. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jim Buddy in Pittsburgh um, really kind of just wanted to vent, but his question was about Denzel Ward, uh, who, of course, going against Jamar Chase yesterday. Jamar Chase had a big game uh, with no Tyler Boyd, with no T. Higgins. Um, And so he says, hey, Mary Kay, is Denzel Ward, I'm going to paraphrase here, is Denzel Ward the shutdown corner the Browns believe him to be? You know, he hasn't had his best season, certainly. He has not had uh, the Pro Bowl season that we all expected him to have, especially uh, in light of becoming that $20.1 million a year man. Uh, I think he got off to a slow start, largely because he missed most of training camp with a hamstring injury. Uh, Then he missed three games with a concussion. And, you know, that's meaningful. That's significant. When, When you miss that much time, in the middle of the season, it's it's hard to come back. You, you know, you're not really allowed to run full speed or do those kinds of things when you have a concussion like that. Uh, you're, you know, it's very regimented what you're able to do. So I think you do have to work your way back up in, you know, to your former self. I thought, uh, I thought he showed flashes this season of of being the pro bowler that he is. But um, yesterday, I also thought he, he probably could have used a little bit more help. And I thought, you know, perhaps they could have changed things up a little bit. If it became apparent that he was sort of struggling a little bit at times on Jamar Chase, why not try Martin Emerson on him occasionally? I mean, Martin Emerson did a nice job on Mike Evans. So, you know, maybe just a, a different body type, a different, you know, just a different energy Uh, might have helped there a little bit or a little bit more safety help over the top. It seemed like he was on an island quite a bit, and it just obviously didn't go the way they planned. But having said that, you know, Jamar Chase is Jamar Chase. And it's like with Amari Cooper. There are going to be games where Amari Cooper gets his 131 yards like he did against the Bengals in the first meeting. Uh, And there have been plenty of other times this season where he's had 100 yards. That's what happens when you have a good receiver like that. And, you know, you just have to bake that into the game plan that they're going to get theirs. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is special. He's he's one of he's in that group of him and Justin Jefferson and which I can't believe Joe Burrow had both those guys at LSU. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that that handful of guys who are just there's sometimes there's just nothing you can do against those guys. What killed you was the flea flicker and things like that. Um but I, I think you're right. Like you could have changed it, like give Greg Newsom some shots on him, you know, mm-hmm. maybe see if, if putting a bigger guy on him for a couple snaps, like Martin Emerson, you know, change it. Maybe it's a disaster. Maybe it's not, but like, yeah, just give it a shot. See what happens. Cause he, cause he was beating you up anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I'm curious to kind of see how Denzel responds to this season because I, I feel like it's been sort of an up and down year for him. And I think mm-hmm. there's been some good moments, but there's also been some tough ones. And so I, th- I think this is a big off season for him. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, and it's unfortunate because, you know, he works so hard in the off season and I know he wanted to have uh, that, you know, just lights out pro bowl 
type of season. And, uh, you know, maybe this is another one of those situations where they look at the defensive scheme and they look at the defensive coaching and all of that, and they try to decide, are we bringing out the best in Denzel Ward? Are we maximizing the talent of Grant Delpit? Are we getting the most out of John Johnson three? Or are we not? And if we're not, um, would a change, you know, help some of these guys be different than what they've been this season? Yeah. And then again, like you said, that's just, there were a lot of questions sort of about, you know, would, would they make wholesale changes? Would they make big changes like that? You know, special teams and defense, would they go that far? And, and I think the answer, if people have been paying attention, maybe we haven't asked your question directly, but I think that the answer to a lot of those questions is, they, they have to and they will look at everything. And if they make that decision on a guy like Joe Woods or Mike Preef or whomever, then, then yeah, I mean, that, that everything's kind of on the table. Yeah, everything is on the table. And I would have to think that at least some of the players on defense would have to believe that there are certain situations where they believe that they could and should have been used differently, that the call should have been different, the scheme should have been different, something should have gone uh, different than it did. And so again, I, you know, I don't know how much they'll, how much input they'll have, but you know, you just have to wonder about, you know, some of these guys and if, you know, and if they wouldn't fare better in a different situation, Greg Newsom, you know, playing a lot in the, you know, in the nickel and the slot. I mean, would he be better off, you know, back outside? I mean, there's just a lot of things that that they're going to have to try to figure out. Okay, I want to ask this question because I, I know this came up, and, and I actually just happened to I was I was watching another play, and I was trying to find it on NFL Plus, which is really a pain to use. But I was, and, and, but I happened to see this moment um, when I was kind of scrolling through trying to find another play. The end of the first half, the, the Hail Mary. So Jeff Sapesi from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, has a question about this. Hey, Mary Kay, at the end of the first half, should the Browns have let Cade York try a 67-yarder? Hail Mary passes rarely work. So was there any downside? And if he makes it, that's a huge boost going into the locker room. My answer is like unequivocally no. And, and Cade was like, he looked upset that he didn't get that opportunity. But I'm curious, like... Am I, am I taking crazy pills here or is there a case to be made that he should have been allowed to try? What actually would have been like a, it would have probably technically been 68, but it actually would have been closer to like 69 or 70 yards based, based on where the football was. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and, and the reason why you don't want to do it is because you don't want to get like a, a block type of situation there. And he has had trajectory issues this season and especially when you are kicking that far, you might kind of have a tendency to kick more of a little bit of a, you know, a line drive to get it there. And that could have gotten blocked and anything can happen in that situation. So that's probably the, you know, the reason why they wouldn't have tried something like that. Yes, he definitely wanted to do it. Um, and it might not have been, you know, I probably wouldn't have had a huge problem if they had tried it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could have gone either way on that. Both would have been low percentage plays, but, you know, maybe more so you'd have a chance to make the kick. But, yeah, you could also have been looking at, you know, that going back the other way, too. Yeah, there's that potential for a return on it, too. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, I understand Cade maybe wanting to take that shot, but like, I, I don't know. The, another part of me is like, Cade, come on, you've really been struggling this season. Like, he hasn't had a good rookie season, so to expect that he would be able to make a, a seventy, a nearly seventy-yard kick, that's asking a lot. And I, I don't know how close the hail mary came to being completed, but there were some guys there. There were definitely some guys down there. I know. I have to look at that again. I, I need to watch the game over again because you know that, uh, you know that was a little bit. That was interesting. There were there were plenty of guys down there uh, for that. So. Yeah, that would have been something else if they would have completed that. Um, but Cade, you know, he must have been feeling good about himself, about what he was hitting in warm-ups. He must have thought that he had the distance to do that because he he did get a little annoyed by that. And I kind of like that. I, I You know, I like that the kicker has that much confidence that he wants to, he wants to go out there and the special teams coach has to calm him down a little. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No offense, Cade. I'm not sure if you would have made that one but right. I guess it would have been fun. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Um, it, those questions came from our football insider subscribers. If you want to get involved, cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter. You can be one of our texters. And of course you get access to those stories on cleveland.com that are for subscribers only. And also make sure you're subscribed to our podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.